Lori. Doug. <laughs> Let's do it. Do what? Move to Mars. Open your mind to me. It's a good thing that we release episodes weekly. Otherwise, you'd have to wait two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. This week, we got our asses to Mars. We made Cohagen give the people the air, and we found out, what the fuck did I do wrong? Jim, I don't even feel like I need to say what we watched, but we opened our minds and watched Total Recall. One of the best movies that we love. Constantly, we talk about it. We analyze this movie, and now we can bring forth to all of you kind listeners out there our love and our knowledge of Total Recall. That, of course, is my co-pilot, Jim Sabella. I am you. You are me, Benny. Actually, I'm Kevin Bradway. This is probably one of my all-time top three favorite movies. I literally had a total rehaul in my last place, a hallway dedicated to this film. I own props from the production of this movie. So needless to say, I'm ready to talk about this one. Kevin also drew, hand sketch, mind you, the image of Schwarzenegger in his chair flipping out when it hit his memory block. It is currently on the wall in my living room. So first, this movie was released in 1990. Jim, if you'd be so kind, tell us how we were living and getting down in 1990. So we were getting down in so many ways coming out of the 80s as we cover Total Recall. But before I tell you to budget in a box office, here are some of the events that happened in June of 1990. Jack Kevorkian, everybody's favorite doctor. Everybody knows Kevorkian. Kevin, you know Kevorkian. You don't know Jack. You don't know Jack shit. However, what Jack knew, he decided to give to everybody. His first assisted suicide took place in June of 1990. Baseball pitching Hall of Famer Nolan Ryan of, at the time, the Texas Rangers threw his sixth no-hitter. We can also remember from that season him getting into his headlock fight with Robin Ventura of the White Sox. TV Guide selected Arsenio Hall as the TV personality of America. The Arsenio Hall show was the best show at the time. It was yeah. the, the epitome of 1990s watch him television. interview Jason Voorhees and watch some of the appearances with wrestlers. And, oh, so and you good. tell me that it was the best. It was the absolute best. The number one song on the Billboard charts was Mac- Madonna Vogue. I literally just almost called her McDonna, which would have been amazing. Madonna's Vogue. Strike a pose. There's nothing to it. Vogue. You all did the hand thing right now. I know you did. Total Recall had the highest weekend gross of the entire year of 1990 when this released. However, the week before this, the number one movie was Back to the Future Part 3. Wow. Which it was my least favorite Back to the Future movie. They kind of filmed two and three together. But as we get into Total Recall, the budget of Total Recall was, eh, numbers vary, but it's in between 50 and 60 million. And at the box office, it made $261.3 million. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So the movie is based on a 1966 Philip K. Dick short story. We can remember it for you wholesale. And it's always a good formula to use Philip K. Dick stories as source materials because it led to Blade Runner, Minority Report, Adjustment Bureau, just to name a few. There were several Philip K. Dick stories adapted. This one, they took some liberties. They changed it quite a bit. There weren't any mutants in the original story. They did make a, uh, a remake of this movie that was a little closer. 
but it also sucked. So I will say the screenwriters originally put the screenplay in the hands of David Cronenberg, which actually I think there was one director before that, but the next time around got put in the hands of David Cronenberg, which makes sense because there's a good amount of body horror in the final product. And some fellow actors he worked with before, Michael Ironside on Scanners. He worked with Ronnie Cox on RoboCop. Yeah, and he essentially was looking to make Raiders of the Lost Ark on Mars. Cronenberg made multiple additions to this movie, but ultimately the movie ended up being directed by Paul Verhoeven. Cronenberg didn't get a credit, but Paul Verhoeven obviously had done uh, RoboCop and some other things. Um, So with that said, let me tell you about the plot. It's the year 2084. A married construction worker named Douglas Quaid has reoccurring vivid dreams about visiting Mars. Mouse. (coughs) Mars has a fully operational society, so it's not like he wants to just go walk around on the surface of Mars, but rather live in these domes. Yeah, he has a fantasy about it. He constantly dreams about this. However, one thing stopping his aspirations of taking a Mars vacation is that there's currently an uprising on Mars against... Governor Vilos Cohagen, <laughs> specifically a rebellion ran by someone named Quato, or as many people say, Coato. There's movies, I forget what movie I was thinking about this when we rewatched the film. It seems throughout certain movies, you know what the person is named, but three or four actors within the movie call it something different like and Hawk nobody and cares. Yes, it's the Hawk and Hawks thing. Yeah. It's definitely over the top. Quaid sees a commercial, and against the advice of seemingly everyone around him, he decides to visit a place called Recall. Jim, why don't you go ahead and play the uh, the Recall jingle there? <laughs> Enjoy the jingle, everybody. So Recall is a company that implants memories of vacations into your brain. So they're promising that these memories will be as vivid as real memories. Uh, As an extra feature, you don't have to go on these vacations as yourself. So ultimately, you can choose who you want to be in the adventure you're going to have. I forget what it was. One was a sports sports hero. The other one was like a a philanthropist. Yeah, like a billionaire playboy. But then he wants a secret agent fantasy. Yeah. So as Jim said, Quaid opts to go to Mars in his mind as a secret agent. Uh, he didn't go to Carolina in his mind. This is where all hell <laughs> this is where all hell breaks loose. Quaid has a major freak out at recall, what they call a schizoid embolism. Yes it is. And as a viewer, from this point on, we have to decide whether Quaid actually goes to Mars and has this adventure or whether we're seeing the memories from the recall implant. So we'll see. We'll talk about this later. We don't have to go into it. It's definitely a logic thing. We will talk about it in depth. So let's get into the characters. Uh, Like everything in this movie, the casting was also interesting. The lead character in the book is actually named Douglas Quayle. At the time, in 1990, there happened to be someone in the forefront of the news called Dan Quayle. The vice president of the United States. How does he spell potato? (laughs) He spells quato with an E. Yeah. So originally supposed to play the role of Douglas Quaid or Quayle was Richard Dreyfuss. It's mind-blowing. Really weird. It's so mind-blowing. Next, Patrick Swayze was attached (laughs) after the success of Dirty Dancing. Yep. And then when Cronenberg was attached and in line to direct, he wanted William Hurt. 
Okay, William Hurt is in one of my favorite movies of all time, Broadcast News. Has anybody ever seen that movie? I can't imagine William Hurt being an action guy. No, especially because Cronenberg's idea was Raiders of the Lost Ark exactly. and Mars. So next, Arnold Schwarzenegger obtained the rights to this movie with autonomous control over director, screenplay, co-stars, promotion, and so on. Along with his 11 to $12 million salary, he also received a 15% cut of profits in addition. You know what this is? This is the Bobby Bonilla contract home run hitter. Yeah. This is huge. So what did this movie make? It was This two, movie in total it? made $261.3 box office so worldwide. So he made $30 million in profits, mm-hmm. approximately. This was the most expensive movie at the time, too. So ever made. Arnold essentially made $40 million from this movie. Exactly. His salary and his profits. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. There's, uh, there's actually an urban legend about how Arnold originally wanted to be in RoboCop with Paul Verhoeven directing, and he couldn't fit in the suit. So therefore, he vowed that he would go uh, work with Verhoeven. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. And uh, which is why Arnold, when he took control, hired Paul Verhoeven to direct. So pretty interesting there. Again, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Douglas Quaid. Also, Carl Hauser. <laughs> he looks a little different as Hauser. Thing is, his name was Carl. Carl. Hauser. They never mentioned they Carl never at all. Carl He's just Hauser. Hauser. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Tikatin is Malina. 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 Sharon Stone as Lori Quaid, Ronnie Cox as Vilos Cohagen, Michael Ironside as the wonderful Richter. Oh. Mel Johnson Jr. is Benny. <laughs> I got five kids, man. <laughs> Robert Costanzo is Harry. I'll mention him. Very, very quick thing about Harry. I'm a big gamer. Kevin and I are gamers. I might be a little bit more of a bigger gamer. If you know, I'm a big fan of FMV games that were featured on the Sega CD. Harry was in Sewer Shark, and one of Richter's henchmen was also in Ground Zero, Texas, another Sega CD game. Go figure. Uh, We had Dean Norris as Tony. So Dean Norris, you will know (laughs) from Breaking Bad. He's uh, Walter White's brother-in-law, Hank. Or as I thought he was when I was growing up, I thought he was Sting from WCW because he sounded just like Sting. You got a lot of nerve showing your face around here, Hauser. It would have been amazing had this been Sting. Because in the storyline around this time, Sting blew out his knee. It would have made a perfect, perfect excuse for him to go off and film this small role. It just, it would have been weird to give a, a big wrestler a bit part. Thank you, Tony. If you didn't know, the dwarf stripper, her name is Thumbelina. Her character's name. Kind of derogatory there, I yeah. would say. Melina, get a two for one special with. <laughs> Ladies, join, come join us in the silver room with Melina and Thumbelina. She has a cool ass Rambo scene, though. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, Jim, which Arnold aside, which actor or actress gives a passable or good performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? How can I not say Michael Ironside? How can I not say Richter? Michael Ironside is just a great actor in general. Like, for instance, he was in the third season of Sequest. Made no sense, but he was in Sequest. To me, Michael Ironside in this movie just stole a lot of scenes. I mean, Quaid's recall memory. He's Laurie's husband in the memory, but not in real life. He sees his own wife get gunned down. He keeps an emotional status quo. But Richter, throughout the whole movie, he's just, you know, gunning for Quaid, gunning for Quaid, gunning for Quaid. The see you at the party, Richter line. Oh, my God. The final yes. fight with we'll uh, Quaid. Soon. I would say Ronnie Cox as Cohagen. He's always really good. Um, Richter, play, Richter also. He plays a great prick. Like him and Ironside just play excellent pricks. With that said, let's, uh, let's talk about best scenes. Now, Jim, you just transitioned perfectly for me. My favorite scene in this movie is... The setup and payoff with Richter 
that leads to the line, see you at the party, Richter. See you at the party, Richter. It's just so funny to me. It's so ultimately what I'm talking about, we find out that he's actually unintentionally leading himself to Cohagen because this is all a plan of Cohagen's that Hauser decided to turn like to play this this good guy to lead them to Quato, which they ultimately needed to find Quato to end the rebellion. Richter is not in on this plan. So Richter's been trying to kill Quaid this whole time. They're going to turn Quaid back into Hauser. And in doing so, they tell Quaid, hey, we're going to have a party for you later. Celebrate for Hauser, essentially. Well, then a few scenes later, Richter gets on this elevator at the reactor and Quaid jumps on the reactor and him and uh, Richter have a fight and Richter gets smashed against the ceiling, essentially, and his arms come off. Right as Arnold, as Quaid is holding the two severed arms, he says, See you at the party, Richter. It is the best payoff. It's so funny. I just, I love that scene. My number one scene is the initial finding out by Quaid that he is Hauser. Howdy, stranger. This is Hauser. If things have gone wrong, I'm talking to myself, and you've got a wet towel wrapped around the head. Now, whatever your name is, get ready for the big surprise. You are not you. You're me. No shit. This one guy calls Quaid, who I call him flea market Michael Landon. We don't know yeah. who he is or what he's doing. He calls him on the vid link. If you want to live, don't hang up. What do you want? They've got your bug. They'll be busting down your door in about three minutes unless you do exactly what I say. Don't bother searching. The bug's in your skull. Who are you? Never mind. Wet a towel and wrap it around your head. That'll muffle the signal. How'd you find me? I'd advise you to hurry. This will buy you some time. They won't be able to... This is the suitcase you gave me. I gave you? I'm gonna set it here. You told me get it, keep moving. Wait, wait. What? Who are you? We were buddies in the agency back on Mars. You asked me if you disappeared to come and find you, so here I am. Goodbye. Hey, wrap this towel around your head. There's a bug. I'm leaving you the suitcase. Well, he goes to this abandoned warehouse, and then it's a video of Hauser saying, hey, I am you. You are me. And basically saying they're tracking you. He gives them this big, some sort of like clamp gun, like this nasal clamp gun. Yeah, when, when you hear the crunch, you've went far when enough. When you hear the crunch, you've gone far enough. This kind of ties into also logic, because I'll explain that later. Quaid is kind of mystified, like, how the fuck I'm looking at me, but he's saying I'm not me, I'm him. It's one of those mind, like, this whole movie, they mention, even Arnold says it in jest when he sees Cohagen at the end, like, this is a mind fuck. This whole movie is a mind fuck, and it was said by Verhoeven during the commentary, it's an action movie with a brain. That's exactly what he says, it's an action movie with a brain, but it's the fact that Quaid is also Hauser. The first time if you ever watch this movie, how is this possible? But then you start thinking, well, is this part of his memory? Is this real life? You never really know. And throughout the whole movie, you have to keep guessing. So my number one scene is Quaid finding out that he actually is Hauser in real life. It's kind of. Yeah, it's a good one. He Maybe. Looks, he looks ridiculous with the towel on his head. I will uh, say my next favorite scene is the setup and payoff with Harry. So early in the movie, when Quaid, he keeps having these recurring dreams that he's on Mars. And essentially, he's seeing Melina, but he's having this dream that he's on Mars. And he's really interested in going there. At the beginning of the movie, his wife 
Sharon Stone is throwing herself at him to get him to stop watching the news. He's, he's, she's asking, you know, screw me, have sex with me, I'll do whatever it takes, but he's fixated he with going to Mars. cannot stop watching the news. She the, was like, let's go to Saturn. Yeah, the news on Mars. It's just, it's the most fascinating thing to him, and he's obsessed with it. It's an obsession. So at his jackhammer job, he works as a construction worker. As he does on the running man. Yeah, he jackhammers. I mean... Good use of showing those biceps. It's the best way to do it. But he's jackhammering next to this guy, and they're probably 10 feet apart, social distancing. As he's jackhammering, he's trying to have a conversation. Harry! Harry! Give a recall? Recall? You know where they sell those fake memories. A recall! Recall, recall, recall! You think of going there? I don't know. Maybe. Well, don't. Why not? A friend of mine tried one of their special offers. Nearly got himself lobotomized. No shit. Don't fuck with your brain, pal. It ain't worth it. It's not. Now, my basement's been jackhammered, and we couldn't hear each other talk, like, upstairs. So how they're talking to each other next to each other while they're jackhammering is ridiculous. But essentially, Quaid's saying, Hey, Harry, what do you know about recall? And <laughs> Harry goes, Oh, recall, 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 recall. Which, in my opinion, I think what happened there is the script called for him to sing the jingle from Recall, which we played for you earlier, but to sing the recall jingle. Except the actor playing Harry probably didn't know the jingle, so he just had to, mm -hmm. to recall, recall, recall. Anyway, so he goes, no, don't, you know, they lobotomized for my friend. Don't, don't go to recall. They lobotomized my friend. Quaid, spoiler alert, goes to recall, gets the memory implanted. And as soon as he has the schizoid for, embolism. For a mere 1,100 total credits. Yes. He has the schizoid embolism. You're led to believe that they dumped him in a Johnny cab and they sent him on his way. Well, now people are after him trying to kill him. Essentially, Harry and his goons apprehend Quaid and they say, we told you not to go to recall. What are you doing? Don't go to recall. <laughs> so then my favorite line in the movie is Quaid goes, What's going on? What the fuck did I do wrong? Tell me. You blamed Quaid. You blamed about March. What the fuck did I do wrong? He is gang grabbed by six people in a very congested. It almost looks like a subway with yes. cars in it, yes. though. So and he says, what the fuck did I do wrong? And at that moment, he manages to fight them all off and start what is a very large body count. He kills five people. He kills five people. And then uh, throughout the movie, I think another 500 people are killed, including a, a few moments later when someone is used as a human shield. But hey, man, it could be a recall dream, man. Yeah. So my next one might be a bit sexist, so I apologize. So when they end up in Mars, they go to a virtually a shanty town. It's called Venusville. They find this hangout called The Last Resort, where Quaid figures this Molina girl who he keeps dreaming about is from The Last Resort because he showed up at a hotel he got a note that looked like his handwriting, asked for a asked for a pen. The hotel clerk gave him a Sharpie because, you know, same a Sharpie with a red cap. Yeah. Same that when he takes off the red cap, it's actually just a black Sharpie. Yeah, same fucking thing. And he rewrites the note and realizes it's his handwriting. The hotel clerk's got to be like, what the fuck's happening? So he finds out Melina is at the last resort. They go to the last resort. He goes to the bartender and. <laughs> what do you want? I'm looking for Melina. Well, she's busy. But uh, Mary here, she's free. Well, not free, honey, but uh, available. <laughs> Thanks. I'll wait for Melina. 
earth slime. He's asking, I'm here to see Melina, and bartenders basically slough him off. She doesn't want to see you, and he has this red Mars American money, virtually. It's dyed money. It looks like Monopoly money. Red Monopoly money. That I have money from used from this movie on the set. Yeah. It's like the Federal Reserve of Mars money. Virtually. The bartender signals over to Tony, who I thought was WCW heavyweight champion Sting. The guy you later find out is Quato, and then Melina's at the table. Before Melina comes over, there is a i guess it's a a martian hooker i guess that's the best way to put it starts talking to quaid and then reveals she has three boobs nine-year-old kid when i saw this movie sneakily mind you a chick with three boobs it's the most like mind-blowing thing and it's great excellent makeup like that's savini quality titty you have there i so I think when you ask a lot of people about Total Recall, that's the first thing they say. Three tits. Oh, the movie with the three tits? Three boobs. Yeah. yeah. And Benny even likes playing with them. So, so I see Venusville as being like the Chinatown sort of. Or the red light district like the red light in district. Holland. I mean, except for you see like some of the tourists there are just like old people and they have a... Uh, what, what do they have there? They have a sharper image. They have a sharper image, a best Western, a Jack in the box. Yeah, Jack. <laughs> I always found it weird that they were able to drive cars down the size of a sidewalk. I no, mean, you don't need cars in there. No McDonald's in Venusville, but you will get a Jack in the box. They're very West Coast slanted. 10 tacos for five bucks. <laughs> don't eat the burgers. They're, they're most famous thing. Do not eat the hamburgers. Yeah. So yeah, three tits. I will say something you broached on is the Quato reveal. What do you want, Mr. Quay? Same as you, to remember, but why? To be myself again. You are what you do. A man is defined by his action, not his memory. Please, take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please, open your mind. The leader of the rebellion on Mars, the person that Cohagen needs. So Cohagen, we didn't really mention this. He controls the air on Mars. So you have to buy air off of Cohagen. Because you have to buy the air, Venusville and other parts of Mars, they have cheaply made domes. They're air regulated domes. Yeah. And therefore the lack of air turns a number of these people into mutants. And now the big thing, too, about Cohagen, he knows about the reactor because he always worries about the rebels are eventually going to win. Yes. Because he even yeah, says he it's even, a Richter. He even says when it happens, this is all over. Because he's going to lose control because right now he controls the reactor. He knows the secret. Yeah. Nobody else does. So, again, there's a reactor that was left there. We'll talk about this later. By the aliens. Left there by the aliens that who used to inhabit Mars. I guess they'd be Martians. He knows that the reactor essentially creates air. We'll talk about this in a little bit. The leader of the rebellion is Quato. Quato. But you see in a couple parts of this movie that no one knows who he is. They don't know what he looks like, who he is, where he is, anything about him. In the book, it was spelled with a Q. Yeah. And I told Kevin, I'm thinking they didn't want to do a Q because you already have Quaid. So you yes. don't want double Qs. That makes sense. Because people would think that Quaid is Quato. That's right. what I always thought. Right. There could be some confusion. So this green jacket guy, the other one that hangs out with Tony and Melina, tells Quaid, he says, Cohagen wants you. You're the key to this whole thing. If we turn you over, you know, that's what he wants. So the green jacket guy takes, I don't even know the green jacket guy's name. I feel bad about that. But he takes Quaid back into this private area. And Quaid says, well, you're, you're Quado, right? And uh, Quado said, and he says, no. 
He goes, Quado's a mutant. Prepare yourself or don't don't get scared or don't get spooked. Green Jacket guy opens his jacket and kind of goes unconscious and has a mutant, what I would describe as a mutant baby living in his stomach. It's the most, it's, <laughs> it's the weirdest reveal. It's. It, this, the, the, the practical effects at the time were as good as they could be. You look back on it now, you're like, ugh, those are not like good. He has like milky eyes, and he's a mutant baby that lives in the guy's stomach, and he has a really weird voice. Like, I would have cast somebody different as his voice, but anyhow, Quado says, take my hands. I person would be like, no, I, I don't want to touch your weird mutant hands, but touches Quado's hands, and Quado reads Quaid's mind and tells him he must start the reactor, which we... Wandered around a mall in, where was that? They actually filmed this in Mexico City. No, I mean, you. when you and I wandered around a mall oh, in the Monroeville. Ash- yeah, in Monroeville. In Monroeville, saying we needed to start the reactor. We needed Douglas Quaid <laughs> to start the reactor. <laughs> so that the Quado reveals a pretty big one. Another one, a little short nibble you don't really hear, but there is a little nugget thrown out there. When he's watching the Martian news and Lori's sitting on his lap trying to seduce him to take his mind off Mars, they talk about there seems to be a fascination with going to Saturn. The guy, when he goes to recall, he's like, take one of our Saturn cruises. Lori wants to go to Saturn. But as he's ready to go out and go to his jackhammering job, apparently outside of the set of the running man... You hear an ESPN announcer go, tune in tonight to ESPN for the fifth game of the World Series in Tokyo with the Tokyo Samurai. So finally, in 2084, you have a true World Series in baseball. Yeah. So I wanted to throw that little nugget out there as a kind of a throwaway scene. I will say a, a key scene that we didn't talk about that we should is Quaid truly believes that he's living this life. He doesn't believe that it's a memory. He believes this is now his life. He never got the implant recall. He's now on a journey to Mars. So this guy that we see earlier in the movie on the subway in the recall commercial. So the commercial that kind of makes him want to go to recall. Dr. Edgemar. Yeah, Dr. Edgemar. Well, Dr. Edgemar knocks on his door at the hotel where he's staying under the Brubaker ID. And when he, Dr. Edgemar comes in and tells him, What do you want? This is going to be very difficult for you to accept, Mr. Quaid. I'm listening. I'm afraid you're not really standing here right now. You know, Doug, you could have fooled me. I'm quite serious. You're not here, and neither am I. That's amazing. (laughs) Where are we? At recall. You're strapped into an implant chair, and I'm monitoring you from the psychoprobe console. Ah, I get it. I'm dreaming. And all this is part of the delightful vacation your company has sold me. Not exactly. What you're experiencing is a freeform delusion based on our memory tapes. But you're inventing it yourself as you go along. What if it is my delusion? Who the hell invited you? I've been artificially implanted as an emergency measure. I'm sorry to tell you this, Mr. Quaid, but you've suffered a schizoid embolism. We can't snap you out of your fantasy. And I've been sent in to try to talk you down. Listen, you are currently at recall. You're essentially on your way to going brain dead if you don't let me wake you up from this dream. It's like an inception type thing. It's like you must wake up from this dream or else you're going to end up as a vegetable because we screwed your mind up. Dr. Edgemar brings in Lori, Quaid's wife, played by Sharon Stone, and says essentially the same thing, which is you need to get out of this dream or else you're going to be a vegetable. So come back home. You're currently at recall. 
Well, he wants to keep the fantasy going longer because he thinks this is his real life. He puts a bullet in Dr. Edgemar's head. When he sees the roll of sweat bead down his head. Yeah, yeah. So Dr. Edgemar tries to give him a pill that says, this pill will wake you up. Dr. Edgemar's sweat, so he shoots him in the head. But this is a key scene. This is another opportunity for the viewer to decide, is this real or is this fantasy? Now, like, Edgemar is about ready to give him a placebo saying, it's the Matrix thing. It's the pre-Matrix thing. You take one pill, you're going to go here. You take another, you go there. He was going to give him that pill. And now... We can only assume, because it's never alluded to, that he'll wake up in the real world and then he's out of recall. But when he sees that bead of sweat, Doug did not want to escape his dream because we even talked about it. He has a mundane life. Yeah. What is he? He says to his wife, I always think I'm meant for something more. So in his own head, he's more than he well, ever could if be. If you could put your, yourself in Quaid's shoes, you would think that, well, they're just trying to kill me. My wife has already tried to kill me. They're trying to get me to take, you know, a cyanide pill and they're trying to kill me. You know, I'm being set up. I'm being chased. You know, Cohagen wants me dead. That is the whole idea. So he's he's not going to take that pill. He's not going to believe them. He's going to stay true that he's in, you know, this is his real life, not a fantasy. Also, real quick, the guy who plays Richter's buddy, his name in this is Helm. What okay. a great fucking name. Yeah. Okay, well, so helm. with that said, uh, let's helm the swimming pool. Helm <laughs> it. <laughs> and do it. Yeah, let's helm it. And uh, let's do our pool check. This is for you, Helm. Pool check! All right, so we covered music videos from 1990, being that that's the year Total Recall was made. Pick our five favorite music videos each. Jim, did you want to start this week, or did you want me to Yeah, I'll give it a start this week. So coming in at my number five for 1990, one of my favorites, I love the background beat to it. Janet Jackson's All Right. It's a seven-minute-long music video. It has a lot of 1930s and 50s zoot suits. What I love, I love zoot suits. Shout out to Cherry Pop and Daddies for Zoot Suit Riot, by the way. Wow. <laughs> What's great about this music video, like I said, it resembles a 1930s and 1950s musical. In this video, Cab Calloway is featured, and Cab Calloway is old-time jazz like the, star. The real Cab Calloway. The real Cab wow. Calloway was featured in this video in one of his last on-screen appearances because he died shortly thereafter. So throughout this whole video, which I love, Love. It's a throwback to a bygone era coming off Rhythm Nation, a breakout album for Janet Jackson, because these were a group of songs that took her away from Michael Jackson's shadow. She became Janet, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. But Janet Jackson, all right, number five. My number five was from a movie, not Total Recall, Partners in Crime, Turtle Power. <laughs> now, Partners in Crime appears to just be one guy. Yeah, you'd think so. And Jim, I know you have an issue with a lyric in this song. This song pisses me off. This it song, since I was a kid. It claims that Raphael is the leader of the Ninja Turtles. Okay, explain to me something. If we're going to go to Raphael is the leader of the Ninja Turtles, what in the comic book, what in the animated series, what in the first movie in which this song was made had any, any, any reasoning that Raphael was the leader of the team. Raphael spent the majority of that movie in a bathtub unconscious. So Michelangelo is obviously not the leader. No. No one would ever suspect that Michelangelo is the leader. He's the stoner. He's not, the goofball. It's not Donatello. He does machines. Right. It's, you Leonardo. know, I would even argue it would be Leonardo or Donatello. It would never be Raphael. 
I would put Raphael four out of four. I'd put Michelangelo in three. Yeah, Raphael's no. probably the least. And he has size exactly. as a weapon. It would never be Raphael. No, fuck that. And as I taught Jim earlier today, uh, we went on a little road trip. There is a sequel to this song approximately 25 years later. Can't, I don't, I I don't, don't know think it was related. It. I don't think it was related to anything for any movie or whatever. It's called Rock the Half Shell, a knockoff of Rock the Casbah by The Clash. Shredder won't like it. That's how it goes. Shredder won't like it. Rock the Half Shell. It's not great. What young kid is going to be like, oh my God, is that the Rock the Casbah thing? It's like you said. It's like some rundown neighborhood in a major city and partner in crime. I'm not going to call them partners because I don't see, unless it's him and the turtles are the partners. Or the April O'Neil reject in yeah, that video. So he's walking down the street. With these not quite movie quality Ninja Turtles. They're not bad. They're not bad. They're not great. No, they're better than like a birthday party Ninja Turtle. They're better than the Oprah interview ones. Yeah, but they're not great. Yeah, so that's that's not even video I picked. It's the sequel to the video I picked. So Jim, go ahead and give us your number four. Number four is one of these songs. It's the female anthem. Number four, Wilson Phillips, Hold On. Yeah. It is one of those songs, even as a guy. I mean, all of you who weren't familiar with the song initially know it from Bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah. It repopularized the song. And that's what's great about modern movies when they throw a little sugar back on old songs. But even as a guy, I hear the song, just like the music video, I want to walk down a fucking beach and sing the song like I'm China Phillips. But the weird thing in this video, you notice China Phillips, we've seen her in other movies, she doesn't look like China Phillips no. from Wilson Phillips. Carney Wilson's in this, Brian Wilson's daughter. So as you all know, I love the Beach Boys. But this is the seminal female anthem. Play this at any wedding for the bridesmaid. This is like my number one bridesmaid song. If I ever have bridesmaid songs, this is the song to go to. So numero cuatro, Wilson Phillips, hold on. I will say my number four is not a female anthem. And honestly, if you're a female listener, a woman who listens to our podcast and you like my number four song, please reach out and let me know because I would think it's a male dominated one. It's Faith No More Epic. Oh, yes. It's a weird video. There's a. uh, Yes, there's a hand on the wall in a painting that you can enter that sprays blood. And it has the uh, iconic scene of a fish out of water flopping around. And I would say that may be the most iconic. At the end of the song is just piano outro. And this fish flops around out of water. I would say maybe the preeminent image from a music video in all of the 1990s. This music video I would call the Columbia House 1.30 in the morning music video spot. Because the only time you'd ever see this is late at night, and it would always be some sort of Columbia House record promotion. Well, back when MTV used to do like the top 500 music videos of all time, this used to chart pretty high, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. This was always like a top 10 video. And in Total Recall, Cohagen inexplicably kicks over a fish tank after he gives Richter the okay to go ahead and kill because Quaid escapes from, uh, they're going to switch him back to Hauser. Quaid escapes. Cohagen tells Richter, go ahead and kill him. And apparently he's, he's not okay with that decision because he kicks over his fish tank and we see a goldfish flop around. So there's uh, some synergy there. Number three for me. New Kids on the Block, Step by Step. I had to put a boy band in this. Step by step. Ooh, baby. Gonna get 
to you, girl. Step one, which is Danny Wood. Danny Wood does that part. It's a good video. It's a standard early 90s boy band video. It It's kind of like the imagination of a, you know, a concert. When they're not doing a concert scene, it's just Donnie Wahlberg on a motorcycle who has, going down Boston. Who has the really high falsetto? That is Jordan Knight. It doesn't really sound it's good. It's Jordan and Jonathan Knight, Danny Wood, Donnie Wahlberg, and Joey McIntyre. It's like a scream. It's really not great. Yeah, but how can you not love New Kids on the Block? Now, a lot of people would say, eh, Step by Step, not the best song. This was their first single off the album, Step by Step. A lot of people are like, oh, I prefer Hanging Tup or The Right Stuff's the best. We covered that when we covered The Wizard. I gotta love The Right Stuff. But this is my number three, Step by Step, girl. My number three is also a boy band, a little bit different. Belle Biv DeVoe is Poison. Never trust a big button a smile. Now, Jim, did you or did you not know the dance from this video? Do you even have to ask me that question? I was going to say, if you didn't, you should learn it. I know this dance. It's pretty awesome dance. This video revolves around them walking down a dark alley. Uh, just shows kind of... Now, a lot of these guys, if not all of them, came from... New Edition. Or is that what you're yeah, going with? New, yeah. yeah. Came from New Edition. Bell Biv DeVoe found Boys to Men and another bad creation. Yeah. So this video kind of reintroduces you to their new grown-up personality. New Jack Swing. Yes. Kind of reintroduces you to Bell, Biv, and DeVoe, who looked like a dolphin person. <laughs> Wait, who looked like a... Which I one looked like... DeVoe. It, was might, it? it might be bad. I don't know. One of them looks like a dolphin, like a, <laughs> like a human anthropomorphic <laughs> dolphin person. That's a perfect transition, because my number two is speaking to somebody who would be a dolphin person if given the opportunity, Vanilla Ice... Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. Come on. I mean, do I have to go on? It's my it's my number one video. I mean, Chuck Knight held him outside of a balcony. What? He was on Death Row's label. And you wonder why, because there's nothing tougher than the dancing in this video, especially when they look like fucking waiters. There's like a scene where they're outside doing the, the synchronized dancing and a lot of like where they throw their head back like a dolphin. Dude, he's, ro he's rolling back in his 5.0 and yeah. don't forget it. Let's get out of here. War to your They're mother. also in a half-lit basement, and he's like, he's just dancing way too much to be tough. It's just, I mean, it sold 10 trillion albums. Oh it led to a movie, Cool as Ice. Okay, think about this real quick. Do you think Ice Ice Baby might be the best one-hit wonder of all time? It's if got, it's not number one, it's in the top three. It's got it an argument. It has an argument for sure. And I mean, I don't know how much you consider record sales, but I'm sure this sold tons of records. Don't get me wrong. We all love Vanilla Ice's Ninja Rap from TMNT2. Yeah. But it's no Ice Ice Baby well, at number two. You know, the weird thing about it is that the lyrics of the song are about rolling around a Mustang and, and being like hood or street. He wanted, you know, he was a white guy, but he wanted to ape that culture. But then the video is literally him dancing in Zubaz, like doing like New Kids on the Block dancing. The thing that drove me nuts about people shitting on Vanilla Ice, they're the same people that ran to the record store and bought the single. Don't bullshit me. People wanted to be a part of this, whether they liked it or not. Well, also a part of this was my number two video, which is MC Hammer, You Can't Touch This. Mm -hmm. So same kind of dancing. You know, the whole video is just like a huge dance off. Hammer had the parachute pants. 
and the little curly Q. He was a former bat boy for the Oakland Athletics and a uh, huge song, absolutely huge. Him and Vanilla Ice kind of hit at the same time and I think are sort of forever entwined for that reason. And uh, again, I my number one was Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. So go ahead, give us your number one video. Hammer had a lot of great hits. That, Too Legit to Quit, and another big song in more ways than one, Pumps and a Bump. Pumps and a Bump, both versions of the video. Check the first version With out. With and without Dick. Yeah, dude. Check out the first version of that video. It's Hammer's just... Hammer using his own hammer. I can't wait to do a whole episode based on... One week, we're not going to cover a movie. We're going to cover Pumps and a Bump, bump, parts one and two. Number one, for all of you that know me out there, I put up a thing on Instagram today saying if I was on Lake Erie, I'd have a certain boat and we'd be playing a certain song and the flag of the band would be on the boat. My theme song of all time, Go West, King of Wishful Thinking. This video, I think, is phenomenal. Yeah, not just a great song, great video. Great fucking... Jimmy Fallon redid this video. This song has so much popularity. It was on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. That's how it kind of went to other heights. Newfound Glory does an amazing cover. This song, I feel, was written for me. Everything about every lyric of this song is me. I've always been the king of wishful thinking. I'm going to have a fucking boat called the King of Wishful Thinking. I'm going to be cruising Lake Erie playing the King of Wishful Thinking, and there's going to be a flag on it with Go West because people are always going to be like, Sabella's on the lake again. That is right. Number one, Go West, King of Wishful Thinking. So we need to get our asses, get your ass to Mars, get your ass to Mars, get your ass to Mars. So why don't we go ahead and get back in the pool? Everybody back in the pool! All right, so a very important thing that we have to talk about. Did Quaid really go to Mars, or was it an implant from Recall? Now, I was telling you this. Are we to believe that possibly the entire movie, I'm talking from opening credit, because Sharon Stone's character, Lori, acts suspicious from moment one. when So she does breaks Harry. Up. So does Harry. So are we to believe that even before he went to Recall, he was already on his secret agent fantasy. Maybe he went sometime before. Well, maybe he's actually Hauser. The entire time in Quaid. Yeah. Maybe Quaid was his fantasy. Think about now. Tw- well, maybe it's not a fantasy. Maybe it's real. Maybe because Laurie says, I've known you six weeks. Shit hits the fan and he finds out that's not his real wife. He Maybe he's been Hauser the whole time because Laurie is Richter's girlfriend. So he's Hauser on Earth. Well, he's Hauser. They send him to Earth as Quaid. And there's a team of people there, spies essentially, there to watch him. So it's real. Or it's real up until the implant. The implant happens. There's, you brought it up. There's a slight moment when the, the film fades to black for like a minute yeah, second. It, it and kinda, it crazy. Yeah, it kind of zooms up towards the lights. And then he pops out of the chair. I'm led to believe, sort of, that the implant starts. So the movie's real up until recall. The package he talks about with the guy at Recall is exactly what happens. He meets a woman. He lives out a a spy fantasy, a double agent fantasy. Now, he's been dreaming about Melina and Mars. And Lori says for, I forget how long she said, but for a long while now, it's always the same woman. She always wants to know, why is it always her? And she starts getting jealous. Yeah. So it's either all real or it's an implant once that happens. Now, something that throws a wrench in the idea that it was an implant is the point of view of the story. 
Now, if this were all Quaid's memory implant, why would we see scenes from other characters' perspectives? We see Richter's conversations with Cohagen. We see Laurie's conversations with Richter. We see the other characters' motivations and stuff. I mean, that's how a movie is made. But there'd be no way he could conceivably know what else is going on. Exactly. But like, if it were an implant, seemingly we would only see Quaid's memories. I still haven't really decided whether I think... I think it is an implant because everything that they talk about comes true. But like you said, at the very beginning, there is... Lori's a little weird. Harry's a little weird. All these people around him are a little suspicious. And then the scene at recall where the doctor says, I haven't put the implant in yet. Now, you could, that could still be part of the... There was a memory. He blew a memory yes. cap. Yeah. He blew a memory cap because he's been to Mars is the reason it rejects or they haven't put it in yet. Listen to me. He has been going on and on about Mars. He has really been there. Use your head, you dumb bitch. He's just acting out the secret agent portion of his ego trip. I'm afraid that's not possible. Why not? Because we haven't implanted it yet. Uh, Watch the movie. Let us know what you think. Let us know. Maybe we'll put a poll up, a survey. I mean, Verhoeven did an amazing thing because he wants people to think what's real and what's not real. But like I said, Verhoeven said in that commentary when the doctor shows up on Mars with the sweat saying, take this pill. You'll go back to recall, but the doctor sweats and he blows his mind out. And they both said, you kill me. There's no way you're going to escape this. So like I said, he has a mundane life. He feels like he's meant for something more. And maybe in the deepest part of his memory, this is the best he can ever do. He actually is somebody that can make a change somewhere else. So potentially if this is, if he is actually a recall and he kills that guy and they're telling him the truth, he may be a vegetable now on earth. So let us know what you think. Please reach out. Let us know, did he really go to Mars? Was it all a memory implant? You know, maybe we're missing something that that tells, you know, that reveals the true answer. Okay, so I, I have a couple. They're more on the lighter side. Now when... And you're referring to logic. Our logic. Yeah. yeah, I'm referring to logic. When Doug goes to recall initially, he said, you know, they try to set up the program and he tries to tell him, why don't you go on a Saturn cruise? But for 899 credits, he can go to Mars. He's like, I want to go to Mars. So he goes to Mars and he shows him a breakdown on the TV screen, and you only see a smidgen of it. One of the things included in the 899 credits is the fact that he is <laughs> allowed three meals a day for a week. Why would you be charged for something that isn't real? Like, is he going to wake up like, listen, I wasn't fed while I was on Mars. You're not going to know it. You're not actually eating. So we're led to believe that when you get the implant, you're just out for as long as it takes for the procedure. You wake up. So we're th- thinking it's like 10 seconds, like boom, boom, you're done. Well, they do like a little surgery or whatever. Yeah, now, they inject them with uh, something yeah. in his neck. And then you're out, you wake up, you've got the memories. But you pick what you want the so whole time So there would there. be no food required for that. So literally, you're <laughs> Why are you fucking charging me? In your, like, his, some of his memories that he's paying for are of meals. Like, ooh, this is, I get three meals a day. I like to have filet mignon. I like to have goddamn chicken. And I want some fish. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> so he wakes up at recall and he's like, that fish was amazing. <laughs> he's he, going to wake up 15 seconds later and go, goddamn it, I have to take so a shit. you and I, have you, have you ever, yeah. <laughs> I, 
Uh, what if he shits himself in the process because of the three meals a day? I mean, there's meals that I'm like, man, that's so good. I can't wait to go eat like, that is again. Is he going to get a diaper? But like, <laughs> imagine having a memory of a meal that you actually didn't have and then be like, man, I could really go for some of that Mars fish right now. And you're still not fulfilled because you had fake food. Okay. My, uh, my first logic thing I'm going to talk about, all the alien stuff. So we're told that these aliens were on Mars Five hundred million years ago, something or something like that. Yep, and they built a reactor, which we talked about. What happened to these aliens? Did they go extinct? Did they leave? Did they get forced off the land when they colonized Mars? Who and why? What the fuck? What? Why did they build the reactor? Was it like a parting gift? Was it like, hey, we anticipate that someday some uh, cataclysm is going to happen to this planet. Some humans will move here because the reactor literally like terraforms the surface of, of Mars to turn it into an Earth-like atmosphere where there's air. Why would the aliens, why would the Martians do that? But why was the reactor ever disengaged? That too. Like you're thinking humans land on Mars, it's going to look like Mars as we know today. There's yeah. no atmosphere. No. There's no water. But you had this reactor, don't you think the humans would start and go, ooh, we have control, the, let's deactivate The only it. thing, and this is a stretch, is what if Cohagen was w- among the first to move to Mars and somehow knew about the reactor immediately and decided to disengage it or decided to you know, keep it under wraps so that he could sell the air, which is his, his main thing. He sells the air to the people. But I just, I don't understand the alien stuff it's just not explained enough for my simple brain to tell me where the aliens go do they ever come back do they live on another part of mars why did they build this giant machine that seemingly didn't help them in any way it helped the future generations it's just so strange such a weird decision and i have three more i could have like 20 more of these like why does that one woman have three tits like why there's no explanation she's the only mutation she grew a third tit but she has no disfigurement. Tony has a vagina on his face. He does. Sting has a vagina on his face. Is when Doug decides to kill Harry and his five guys, he decides to kill them in a jam-packed subway area, 10 feet away from other people, and no one heard as a fucking as, thing. As soon as he shoots them, you see people walking on the above like walkway. Not disturbed. It seems to be an everyday occurrence, obviously. Enclosed subway, that shit's gonna echo. They didn't have silencers on anything. But if that scene happened in a movie today, would you not have some sort of television thing like saying the police are looking for Douglas Quaid? He's in yeah. for murdering five people. Nothing. Nope. No cops. None. Not, no movie we cover has cops <laughs> or effective. We're gonna do a cop movie eventually. Yes. Just to. Uh, it'll be Dragnet with Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. It'll be Dick Tracy. Another one for me is Two Weeks. Have you brought any fruits or vegetables onto the planet? Two weeks. Excuse me? Uh, Two weeks. Two weeks. When Quaid finds out he's Hauser, he finds out he has to get his ass to Mars, he is told to use the Brubaker ID at the hotel which will set him up with everything he from needs. From Flea Market Michael Landon. Yes, from Flea Market Michael Landon, which, by the way, to go on a little uh, tangent, we're told that they were buddies in the agency. You never see him again. You're told from Cohagen that they sent that guy. He has no name. But the briefcase that's sent by the fake Michael Landon contains one of the most important things 
for him in two different scenes he uses this like device that creates a double of you why would Cohagen give I, I don't understand but anyway there's a fake Michael Landon we, we see him once never see him again uh but anyhow so Quaid goes to Mars but he can't just go to Mars as Quaid because people are after him not because he murdered five people but because Richter and all these other people are after him so he has to go in disguise however he goes in the disguise of this woman, this red-haired large woman. Very large woman. And uh, you can see her name on the passport. Ultimately, it's crystal something. Yeah, ultimately, she hands the guy the passport. He looks over it for quite a while, and he says, how long are you going to Mars for? Two weeks. And then it's like, what do you plan to do in Mars? Two weeks. It, Excuse me? Yeah, so... After all that, she has this memorable freak out, I will call it, because she starts trying to like fish hook her own mouth and she starts doing like, like starts and then Richter keeps overhearing this and he keeps looking back like something's way off. So then Arnold as Quaid presses a button on the ear. After the hair comes off. Yes. After the hair comes off, presses a button on the ear. It's like a men in black type thing. And he pulls the ear. And then the whole face disengages like puzzle pieces. But then he takes the head off, he throws it, and it's a bomb. Not just that. It's a fucking head bomb. But after he throws it, it says... Get ready for a surprise. Yeah, it still speaks. It's still able to talk. But my question is, where did Quaid get this? How did he know how to use it? There's like so many questions about this disguise. It just makes no sense to me that Hauser didn't tell him use the, you know, crystal disguise to get through to Mars. Quaid just somehow has this, this, I, I don't understand. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. This whole movie will make you feel like that. So my next logic point of contention is Hauser's initial video when he starts talking to him in the warehouse, he has the wet towel wrapped around his head. So he tells him to pull out the, the clamp gun and shove it up his nose until he hears a crunch, okay? In this video, we are made to think that it's a recorded video from Hauser, which, it, yeah, it is. However, the camera pans back to the video after he's shoving it up his nose, and then the video makes you believe that this is a live feed from Hauser, unless Hauser times it perfectly, that well, right. it's going to take him this long to take it out of his so nose. So Hauser just sits there and smiles for a minute. Like he's watching him remove this. No, he should have continued to give the instruction. Yeah. But instead... He gets to that point. He's like on a FaceTime call. Yeah, he smiles for like a minute. And then it's like, as soon as the tracker is out, he then knows. he resumes his instruction. Then he resumes, you know, get your ass to Moss. It's the, the future, Jim. It's 2084. It's, it's 20. Just, FaceTime was AI just. AI knows. It blows my mind because it makes me feel like I'm on it. He's on a live call with Hauser. Carl, which is weird. He's called Carl. Carl. Hi, I'm Carl. I'm the janitor from the breakfast club. Uh, I'm no scientist, but I question when they're on Mars, there's a few scenes where windows get blown out. Every time this happens, there's uh, Richter really wants to shoot out the windows on the domes on Mars. I don't know why. He's got a death wish. A couple windows get blown out of Mars. Each time this happens, the people get sucked out of the windows. There's like a vacuum. They're not in space. They're on the surface of a planet. So... They get sucked out like a vacuum once outside within, I would think that if you were in, like, if you're in space and you exit the spaceship and you're not wearing a space suit, you're dead instantly. You're just you're instantly You're going to freeze to death. Yeah, yeah, you just instantly die. But on the surface of Mars, 
it's a very slow process. Their eyes, like, like basically their heads get like inflated. Your orbital sockets disengage. Your eyes pop out. Yeah. Your neck bulges. Yes. It's like you, your body, it's like filling a rubber glove with water. It's like you're, they, they start to blow up. I just don't think that that's how it would work if they went to Mars. And then at the very end, Schwarzenegger and Melina, they seem to go through this process twice as long as Cohagen, yeah. yet somehow survive before the oxygen reaches them from well, the top that, of the that, mountain. But see, that's the thing. Is I would think this, that this would be permanent damage. Yeah. If your eyes bulge completely past the eye socket and come out of your head, like just because air shows up, it just like their eyeballs like shrink back into their skull. Their fucking eyes would be hanging out of yeah, their heads. They would be they might survive, but they would be like they would look like microwaved hot dogs. <laughs> so, Jim, uh, I don't know if you had any logic you still want to talk about. What is the legacy of this movie? Well, they made us a, a remake of this movie. Which that you saw that I haven't. It's based more closely to the Philip K. Dick story, which this movie is not really closely related to the Philip K. Dick story. I will say, for better or worse, it's not Johnny Cabs. That's not the... Uh, That's another thing I don't understand, the whole Johnny Cab phenomenon. The Johnny Cabs are not... The Johnny the Cab, you refuses to pay. The Johnny Cab goes rogue and tries to kill Doug. And then blows up. And then blows up. And then says, have a nice day. Johnny Cabs are self-driven, robotic-driven cabs that are only on Earth and not on Mars. There was almost a sequel to this. There was a Total Recall 2, which actually became Minority Report. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. Yeah, so the script for Total Recall 2 was tweaked because essentially after the events of this film, everything was going to reset and it would be about these futuristic cops who knew of future crimes and stuff. So my Quaid would be a part of that. Yeah, so it would have been Quaid or Quail yeah. and would have been the sequel. No Kawato. Yeah, I will say, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies ever, so it's legacy for me. Stands the test of time. For others, it's probably the three-titted lady. <laughs> it's probably the legacy of this movie. Who doesn't love three-tit recall? Yeah, is the lady with three tits. Now, we had ourselves a margarita while we watched this movie and while we uh, recorded. I want to tell you which drink I think pairs well with this movie. And uniquely enough, there is a, a cocktail called a Total Recall. It's from a reputable source, you know, a real uh, cocktail uh, encyclopedia or guide. So not just like something on the internet and the total recall, you get yourself a Collins glass. You get three quarter ounce Patron Reposado. You get three quarter ounce Bacardi gold rum, three quarter ounce Southern comfort, uh, ounce and a half cranberry juice, ounce and a half of freshly squeezed orange juice, three quarter ounce freshly squeezed lime juice. You shake with ice, you strain into an ice filled Collins glass. It's a pretty good drink. It's essentially sort of like a margarita, just uh, more boozy. You've got the uh, triple threat, the rum, tequila, and whiskey, and then some different juices. That's the drink I will plug. Not quite red, but it's sort of a reddish color drink. Well, if you want to watch any news-worthy events that has to do with some sort of uprisings or upheaval, all you have to do is turn on the real-life news and watch that. Make a protein shake like Doug Quaid. Yeah. Sit there while your hot wife tries to have sex with you and you want nothing to do with it, but you want to watch what's going on on Mars. Just sit back and make an amazing protein shake. May I suggest vanilla-flavored? Bananas in there, little skim milk. Don't use the 2%. That's just going to add sugar and a little heftiness, especially if you're lactose intolerant like moi. Kick back and uh, 
Enjoy the end of the world. You know, I uh, it's nearing the end of summer. We're in uh, end of July, entering into August, which, you know, that's kind of August is sort of it for summer, especially here in Ohio, because uh, weather's pretty unpredictable. Sometimes we get summer all the way deep into September and October, and sometimes we'll get snow. This has been one hot summer, man. Let me tell you. Yeah, A just one like hot, the, weird like COVID the John summer. Cusack movie. Yeah, so I've been enjoying myself quite a few smoothies recently. Fresh fruit, plain Greek yogurt, coconut water. So yeah, I like your suggestion. Also, I would suggest the Taco Bell Pineapple Whip. Get it before five. It's only a buck. Yeah. So hook it up. Put a little tequila in that, a little terramana. All right. So Jim, why don't you go ahead and uh, shoot the plugs? Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know by now, I will tell you. Check us out on our email. Any suggestions whatsoever, movies you want to hear, maybe some music videos that you like, shoot us a line, poolscenepodcast at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, at poolscenepodcast, and Twitter, at poolscenepod. Check us out on all of those things, and make sure you rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Next week will be our season finale before we sign off, our season one finale we call The Deep End. Yeah, Kevin, well, do you want to tell them what we're going to yeah, cover? Yeah, so we're going to be covering two movies. Every 10th episode on this podcast, we plan on covering two movies. To be specific, sequels. Sometimes it's going to be more than just one. This week coming, we're going to do Ghostbusters 1 and 2. You know, in future seasons, we may do series of four movies. We may do three movies. We may do... Prepare next week to be at least a two-hour podcast because we're going to cover both movies and we're going to cover some of our favorite music uh, videos from 1984 because we already did 89 so we're going to do our favorite from 84. Yeah, so those will be early ones. It should be interesting to see what we come up with for 84, a year after I was born. So we're excited. We're excited to do Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Excited for you to hear our thoughts on those. So, Kevin, we are ready to leave Miles and wake up and go back to Earth and jackhammer shit. You know, I want to stay on Mars because I don't, yeah, I don't want to. When I wake up in the morning, I'm going to be jackhammering and uh, watching my wife do her virtual tennis lessons. So... So, but that's reality. We all have to go back to work sometime. Thank you, everybody, for enjoying Total Recall. Check out this movie. Hope you love it like the rest of us do. Come, come hang out in my basement. Watch it with my Total Recall stuff. Yeah, well, check out the Total Recall. Let's yeah. do it. All right. Goodbye, everybody. My name is not Quan.